Hey, it's me, Jason PB. Welcome to the Light Camp Ask Jason podcast, where I answer all your photography-related queries. This week, we're talking about focal length for street photography, my favourite shooting subject, and which lens is best to shoot for the very small up to the very big. We have three questions this week. First up is Artist Photographer 1 from Instagram that asks, What's the best for street photography, 35mm or 10mm? Well, I'm assuming you mean 35 or 10 millimeter focal length in lenses. Um, and my first answer is there isn't really a best. It kind of depends on how you're shooting your street scene. So a 10 millimeter might be perfect for something that you need a wide field of view for. You might need to include more of the scene. But if you want to get a slightly closer crop or you want to push in towards your subject a little more, 35mm might be better for you. So it kind of depends on the outcome and what you have in your head before you shoot it. I would say probably the most common focal length out of the two for street photography would be 35mm, probably. Um, I haven't seen that much street work on a 10mm lens especially because that's kind of getting near fisheye level um, where the edges start to distort and it creates a um, quite a bulbous look to the photographs. But that's not to say that that wouldn't work. It's just I think most street photographers are probably up for 35mm rather than 10 just because it gives a wide field of view and it actually allows you to frame your subject with some space around them so you have context in the environment, but you're also cropping down and focusing solely on the subject and their immediate surroundings rather than the whole field of view in front of you. Next, a question from D3200photos on Instagram who says, what's your favourite thing about photography? Well, my favourite thing is probably showing other people things they can't see for themselves. So, for example, years ago, about 15 years ago, um, I was experimenting with reversing lenses and uh, shooting macro work without a macro lens. And I was around my grandmother's at the time. She was sort of mid 80s, I suppose. And I photographed a jumping spider on her doorstep. She'd been living there for about 50 years, 50, 60 years. And... I photographed this jumping spider and I showed it to her on the back of the screen and you've got these huge anterior median eyes and these these amazing little legs that, that come out either side of the body and it just looks so anthropomorphic it looks like a human because you've got these two big identifiable eyes at the front and it looks amazing and I showed it to her and she said that she'd never seen that animal before in her life and I thought wow I can show someone that's lived in one spot for 50 or 60 years and has been on the earth for, you know, over three quarters of a century. And I can show her this animal that's literally on her doorstep. She walks over it almost every day. But to her, it's either a speck of dust or she can't even see it or she's never noticed it. So that's the really important thing that I, that I love about photography, is showing others what they can't see or what they haven't been able to see up until that point. So you could look at um, time lapses, for example. I, I can do a, I've done time lapses of clouds building and climbing over vast mountains and hills and valley fog seeping down lower to create an inversion so that the cloud is lower than the, than the land. And 
unless you have technology to create a time lapse like that and see everything in fast forward, you don't really have a sense of how the clouds are moving and how they look. And this is like arguably 50% of your scene when you're looking straight ahead at the horizon. You've got the sky above you and the ground beneath you. I mean, this is like half of all of your life that you're ever going to see is up above your head. And without the technology of the camera, you're never going to see that in, in fast forward. And I think that's amazing. Finally, this week, Bill Gibson asks, I need to shoot everything from very small objects to buildings. Can you recommend a couple of must-have lenses to cover the extremes? Well, my initial reaction to that is probably the lens that came with your camera. I'm not sure what camera you're shooting on, Bill, but uh, the 18 to 55mm lenses that usually ship with uh, most cameras, especially entry-level cameras, are brilliant. They're, they're packed with the bodies for a reason. They've got these, this sort of wide-angle 18mm focal length all the way up to a 55mm, and they're usually really sharp. They're not... Um, they're not optically bad at all. Okay, they might have a bit of chromatic aberration where if you're shooting a contrasting subject with something dark against the bright sky, you might get a bit of colour fringing around the edge. And that's just because the uh, engineering of the glass hasn't been to a high enough standard to completely remove all of that imperfection. So more expensive lenses will have been designed so that it resolves all the different colours in the visible light spectrum uh, to a point on the camera where you don't get that colour fringing anymore. But that takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So the cheaper lenses, like the 18 to 55mm lenses that ship with most camera bodies, okay, they have a little bit of colour fringing, but they're optically good they provide a really good focal length range for you to get started and and actually have quite good close-up capabilities as well because of that so i would say that's your that's your first lens to go with you might be tempted by an 18 to 105 or an 18 to 200 mil and that's good too and obviously it has the benefit of having a longer focal length up beyond the 55 mil up to 100 and 200 millimeters but because of that there's going to be more glass in the lens. And the more glass you have, the worse the image quality generally is. The idea that camera manufacturers and lens manufacturers have is to design a lens with as few pieces of glass as possible so as not to degrade the um, image quality. So they're not dispersing the light as it goes through the lens as much. But, you know, to get a lens that has a really wide angle 18mm and all the way up to 105 or 200 you're going to have a lot of glass in there anyway so I would say generally on the telephoto end of the focal length range the image gets a little bit soft and it depends on whether you're happy with just experimenting with this lens or whether you need it for something that needs to be printed and needs to be shown on the web I'd say if you're doing it for work probably avoid that one just because it's a little bit too soft but if it's just for fun at home by all means um, have a little go with that you might be tempted by a macro lens for the smaller stuff that you're shooting because you mentioned you're shooting very small objects 
but it kind of depends on your budget. You know, a good macro lens is going to set you back at least six hundred pounds. I would have thought for um, like a one hundred five millimeter f two point eight or something like that. And then you can you can go upwards from there. You can get really expensive with them. Um, you can get get them for like two three grand. But I would say unless it's absolutely necessary that you have perfect macro shots every time why not use a screwing filter a screwing close-up filter or actually what i like to use is um it's it's a close-up diopter and it's called the raynox dcr 250 that's the raynox dcr hyphen 250 and it has an adaptable clip on the front so you squash these two levers in and it fits it fits multiple filter thread sizes, so it can actually sit on almost any lens. I think it's up to a maximum of seventy seven millimeters or something like that. I'll have to double check, but it's it's really useful because if you've got a few lenses that you want to stick this onto, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to have step up and step down rings. You can just squash it on, and it works. And actually. The image quality is pretty good. I, I used to shoot it on a 70-300mm f4.5-5.6 VR lens, NASA Nikon lens, um, and it gave really good results. There was a little bit chromatic aberration, sure, but you can take that out in post-processing. You just take a box in Lightroom or you know whatever you want to do, however you process your images. It's, it really wasn't that bad for the, um, for the massive gain you get uh, shooting macro without the macro lens or if you don't want to do that i would say just reverse your lens so get um as wide a lens uh, as you can so 24 millimeters 18 millimeters something like that and turn it round take it off the body this is of course if you can take off if you're shooting on a, on a bridge camera you can't do this but they usually have built-in macro functions for this very reason um so take the, the lens off the body flip it round, hold it in front of the hole where it was and you'll be able to take really close-up shots using exactly the same lens because the point of focus is diff different to when you have it the right way around. You will find that your working distance, so the point at which it focuses in front of the lens, is drastically different. It's going to be so much closer. So if you're photographing invertebrates that are likely to run away, it's going to take you quite a bit of time to learn how to get close enough to them to get them big on the camera. However, once you do, and you might have to add a little bit of light as well because usually the image goes quite dark, but once you do, you're going to get really nice close-up photos and you won't have to have spent any money. You literally just stick it around the other way. And if you can't be bothered to even hold the lens against the body, just get a uh, mount adapter. This is the, You can find them online. They're, they're called reversing ring adapters. And they literally, they screw into your um, camera mount. So whether it's um, the Nikon F mount or the Canon EF mount or um, Pentax K mount, wh whatever it is, you can find that usually on eBay or, you know, that those kind of places. And you just screw it into the camera body and then you screw the reversed lens onto the end of that. So you get one to match your filter thread size. Um, and then it holds it there for you. And there's no light leaking because I usually find that if you hold the lens 
no matter how good you hold it, when you're trying to chase an invertebrate or something like that, you're going to leak some light into the body and that's going to spoil the quality of your shot. So literally just turn it around, screw this um, thread on and you're away to go. So that's it for this week's Light Camp Ask Jason episode. Submit your questions at jasonpb.com forward slash ask hyphen Jason or send them directly to me via my Instagram at jasonpbphoto. You can also email me on info at jasonpb.com. No question too small. And I'll see you next time on the Light Camp Ask Jason podcast.